think all of these things are connected, right? You can't, you can't go into a subjective conversation with a strong recommendation mm. for a particular direction of travel without having the credentials and the aptitude and the capabilities to, to back it up. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Will Sturgeon, who is Head of Content and Thought Leadership at PwC UK. Will, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You are indeed welcome and it's a pleasure to be actually doing it face to face. When we started this podcast, this was the, the status quo um, and then we sort of drifted into the virtual um, podcast. So it's nice to be back in the studio. And today we're going to be talking about... Um, I suppose it's been a tension that's existed for a while within marketing, and that's this idea of are the best marketers generalists or actually are the best marketers specialists? And I think that probably over the years, there has been a bit of oscillation between those two schools of thought. But I think that the way that the industry is going and specifically the way that technology is evolving we're probably getting to a situation now where the argument for hyper-specialized skill sets is growing. But to kick things off, I want to give you the provocative truth that even in light of that idea that there is a greater requirement for specialization, there is still a preconception amongst many marketers that the best marketers are generalist. And when it comes to um, advancement and recruitment decisions, there is still a generalist mindset rather than thinking in terms of specialization. Is that something you'd agree with? I think the the statement is definitely something I recognise, whether I whether I agree with it or not. I think there's there's a couple of points here. One is, as you've said in the intro, there is a very clearly defined, very clearly recognised need for greater specialism. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that as a head of content, so obviously I believe very strongly there is a a role for content specialists. There's a role for digital specialists. There's a role for people with real experience in events, sponsorships, Mm. areas like that. You know, all of this is about professionalizing the services that marketing provides to its clients, whether that's in-house clients or, you know, agency clients. But I think there is still a reality that everybody within a specialist model needs to know how those bits Mm. gel together, needs to understand how their specialism interacts. Now, you could say someone who's from a generalist background naturally has a sort of predisposition to ensure that they know how all those Mm -hmm. bits fit together and that's probably inherent in the role that they perform that they Mm -hmm. that they need to so i think therefore there is probably also a likelihood that perhaps those people are more commonly in leadership positions or naturally work towards leadership positions absolutely and i think we'll definitely get to talk about um career progression and what individuals need to do to get to those senior sort of levels but maybe to frame the conversation and you you used a couple of times the 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 phrase the need for specialism and i suppose implicit within that 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 need has has grown i'd be really interested in your analysis for why there is more than previously a greater need for specialization within marketing yeah i think the the driving forces are many. One is, I think the contribution that marketing can make is more broadly recognized 
now. I think marketing as a driver of growth, marketing as you know a strategic priority for organizations is more widely recognized within organizations. I think there's still significant pockets where it's probably seen as a cost center and perhaps where leadership within an organization don't understand the full value that it brings. But I think there is definitely recognition that marketing has a greater contribution to make. I think perhaps once upon a time, it was slightly out more on the periphery. Now, as you bring something into the center, there is a requirement to ensure that it lives up to expectations, that it's helping you differentiate, that it's helping you drive measurable results. Mm -hmm. I think over time that has created a greater need for content specialists who can mm -hmm. create content that really help you differentiate in the market. It's created a need for digital specialists who understand how to make sense of the data that you've got, to identify opportunities, to understand what your audience needs, how you can best serve that audience and reach it. So all of these things, you know, brings a greater sort of requirement for technical capabilities into marketing. I think perhaps if marketing was once out on the periphery and it was seen as sort of, you know, making noise, getting the name out there, lots of tactics which didn't necessarily have the opportunity to mm -hmm. measure their effectiveness as we see today, it could afford to perhaps be less less specialist. Mm -hmm. um, but I think all those all those forces requiring a sort of more commercial mindset, yep. ensuring greater strategy, planning, higher quality of content, higher quality of digital strategy, higher quality of media planning and media buying. Mm -hmm. All those things are linked to that sort of elevation of marketing, the recognition that there are sort of commercial goals to be achieved. Perhaps also one of the other reasons is traditionally the inherently subjective nature mm -hmm. of marketing. I think there was probably... You know, I've probably encountered people in my career, I'm sure people, you know, listening and watching this podcast will recognize there is a mindset in some quarters where everybody is kind of a marketing specialist. Yes. I, I'm a decent writer. I've got a sense. I know what's going to work. I've got a bit of a creative side to me, which is all brilliant, you know, and lots of people do. And there are elements of marketing, which is subjective. But I think sometimes to overcome that subjectivity and to get an organization to more meaningful outcomes, you do need people who can bring a little bit more experience to the table, can bring a little bit more conviction and a bit more ownership mm -hmm. of the activity and convince people that while much of this is subjective, you do also need some expert steers on where you're taking that where you're taking that marketing activity. So it's almost there's a conceptual shift in terms of the role of marketing. You spoke about it being in the peripheries and then actually previously you spoke about the professionalization of marketing and the realization that marketing needs to have a very, very direct and tangible contribution to business outcomes has driven bringing it into the center. Um, I'm, I'd be interested in a minute to sort of uh, hear whether that's cause there to be greater respect among marketers. But beforehand, I just want to ask you maybe a provocative question. Um, but from your perspective, has that shift um, to marketing having to be more professionalized, having to be more of a discipline, has that demanded a higher aptitude of people in the profession? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think all of these things are connected, right? You can't you can't go into a subjective conversation with a strong recommendation mm. for a particular direction of travel without having the credentials and the aptitude and the capabilities to, to back it up. Um, you know, and if I look at, I suppose, you know, if I look at my team, if I look at other content teams, I look at other teams within my organization, 
I think one of the things to recognize within a sort of specialist model is the specialisms within specialisms. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very fortunate in that the quality of people I've been able to attract, um, the support I've had from the business in bringing those people in, mean that I've been able to bring in, you know, journalists from the national media, bring in TV and radio producers, mm -hmm. to bring in people with real serious real-world credentials in content, which just helps overcome that subjectivity point, but also brings an aptitude and an ability to the team, which I think does help live up to some of those expectations. Mm. And with all of these different specialisations within marketing and therefore people coming in with different backgrounds, do you, is, from your perspective, are they viewed as all equal? Or actually, is there a little bit of a hierarchy emerging and certain skills are fetishized above others? I think it's a, it's a really good question. I would say certainly within, within my organization, there is respect for what everybody brings mm -hmm. to the table. Um, and I think there is an opportunity for people to prove themselves. And I think if people bring those skills and the right attitude and aptitude to the fore, then everybody is, is of course, absolutely respected. I think the bigger question is perhaps at an industry level, we do see fads, we mm -hmm. see trends, to, to use your wording, we see particular skills and specialisms fetishized slightly. And I can think over the years from it being, you know, back in the sort of noughties, the sort of trend towards all things digital yeah. and people who understood how the rise of social media was going to affect brands mm -hmm. and the opportunities it would create. And obviously there was a big fascination in those mm -hmm, skills. Mm -hmm. Now I think we're seeing a, a level of interest in Gen AI and how yeah. that's going to impact industries and how that's going to impact the roles that we do. Whether it's fetishized or whether it's sort of people getting excited <laughs> about the next opportunity, I'd like to think it's probably the latter. Oh, I mean, that was a, a very diplomatic way of, <laughs> I, think, I think, putting it. So to pick up on Gen AI, Gen AI and you think you've rightly identified that this is the great disruptor um, and in all, all levels, but certainly in terms of skill sets. With Gen AI coming in, what do you think that means for the skills profile of the marketers of the next couple of years? What's going to be super critical for um, brands to get right in terms of recruitment? I think it genuinely puts an even greater emphasis on the skills and capabilities of specialist teams. Actually, I think one thing I would I would add is while we're talking about specialisms in areas like content and, and digital and things like that, B2B marketing in and of itself is a specialism. Mm. I think there is a skill set even within those groups that perhaps we refer to as generalists, which understands mm -hmm. how B2B marketing needs to work, the levers that need to be pulled, the relationships we need to create. Now, all of that and the technical capabilities in areas like content and areas like digital, I think are more important than ever mm -hmm. because in order to get outputs from something like Gen AI, outputs that we can trust, outputs that we think, you know what, maybe there's something we can do with that. You've got to have really smart people knowing what they're asking that technology to do. And you've got to get have really smart people who are able to scrutinize the outputs. Mm -hmm. From a point of view of thinking, are we alive to the risk of bias? Are we alive to the risk of hallucinations within Gen AI, providing information that you know is erroneous or problematic? You've got to have people, you've got to have that core understanding. 
And I think that's true in marketing, whether it's talking about Gen AI or whether it's talking about, you know, an in-house team working with external suppliers. You've got to know what you're looking for. You've got to know what good looks like. You've got to be able to scrutinize what you get in return mm. and think, is this giving us what we need? So I think all those skills become even more vital. Mm. And I'd just be fascinated from your perspective, what are those attributes that make a really good B2B marketer versus, say, a B2C marketer? What's unique about B2B? I don't know whether it's unique or if it's about the extent to which you need to dial these things up or down. Because I think lots of this is very true in the B2C world mm. as well. But I think you need to have a level of intellectual rigor. I think in order to get inside an issue which business people are going to care mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. and to show that you really have empathy or understanding for the complexity of their business, the complexity of the challenges that they're dealing with, takes a huge amount of thought. And to be absolutely clear, as I say, you know, I think that's true in B2C mm. as well. But, you know, the the issues are different often. You know, it's it's understanding the business challenges. It's understanding the way the business environment is likely to change. The pressures that organizations are, are feeling at the moment, the understanding of what that bigger picture mm. is around businesses, being able to bring that in, show that you've understand and understood those challenges and then play it back in a way that feels meaningful, that feels like you've understood those challenges and you're offering mm. a solution. I think there is an intellectual rigor required there. I think there's a huge amount of creativity mm -hmm. required. I think perhaps traditionally there's an assumption that maybe B2B can get away with being a bit grayer, a bit blander. It doesn't necessarily need the bells and whistles of B2C, but I think it's a real misstep to assume that just because someone's in a work frame of mind, whether they're consuming your content nine to five or whether they're consuming your content over the weekend or in the evening, the commute home, whatever it might be, that somehow their barrier to entry is lower if it's B2B content, that they it doesn't need to engage them, it doesn't need to be interesting, it doesn't need to tell them a story they find you know important to the challenges. So I think you, you need to bring a creative lens there, which perhaps sometimes given the subject matter, those creative muscles have to be exercised even more to think, right, how do we do this in a way that feels differentiated? Mm -hmm. How do we stand out from everybody else talking about this issue? Yeah, B2B marketing, I mean, less so, but it's still occasionally maligned uh, compared to, to B2C. But I think looking at it through that way, actually, is a great way of selling the beauty of a career in B2B marketing. And I think that you talked about that intellectual rigor and actually the greater demands on creativity. And, you know, perhaps on a conceptual level, you know, this whole intellectual creativity, it's something to be proud of and it's something to, you know, be motivated by in terms of, of B2B. Um, so obviously you work within um, content and thought leadership specifically. We've um, certainly touched upon the role that Gen AI could potentially have within that. I'm interested from your perspective, given your specialism, what are the subspecialisms which you feel are absolutely key within content and thought leadership? It's an often overused phrase, but storytelling mm. is so important. You know, what is the story that we're looking to tell here? And say, have we understood the needs of the audience? And are we now providing information to them in a way that they feel engaged with, that feels relevant to what they're looking for? Understanding how we make that concise, interesting, how we can draw in examples that don't just sort of theorize about the issue, but mm. actually make credible how we can help 
people that show that there will be a you know an end to this story you know that it that it's leading somewhere um i think the ability to distill information down to really get to the crux of what it is that you're looking to land because mm -hmm. i think the b2b world you know I, I work in professional services but you know i suspect this is true in lots of areas there has in the past been an over-reliance on really long reports really weighty content but you know whether it's in people's work lives or consumer lives attention spans are such now you don't have that luxury. And I think mm -hmm. often people are misled about the effectiveness of that kind of content because people would leaf through a big report and yep. cherry pick a few stats and you know a chart that they cut and paste into their own presentation or whatever and perhaps feedback that, yeah, I found this really useful. But they probably engaged with relatively little of it. I think we have to be able to identify what's the real story we're telling and tell it mm -hmm. you know, in a short, snappy way. Increasingly thinking about the channels and the media that we we work with you know the role of podcasts the role of video the role of animations infographics visuals what's the creative treatment mm -hmm. for this how do we make sure those things are all working in sync and working working optimally because we know our audience want things across most channels and most content types so you have to make sure you're producing them but that each is working in an distinct and efficient way yeah. and what backgrounds would you be drawing people from to have a career working within content and thought leadership, especially. And, and it's very fine to say, well, actually, you know, coming up through marketing, but I'm really interested in what are those adjacent careers that people may be uh, relevant? It's a really good question. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I've got a team of 10 people. And within that team, I've got a range of specialisms. Mm. So I said, you know, I've got people who've come from the BBC and the Telegraph yep. and trade media. So journalists with, you know, long-standing journalist experience, TV and radio production, people who've come from, you know, other marketing operations, you know, people with perhaps more of a generalist background, but a real passion mm -hmm. for content that really comes through when I meet them and think, well, that's great. You know, I can see exactly where you fit in a team of multiple specialisms. And that's it. I think, you know, we, we need to make sure that we can cover all those bases, similarly the specialisms in terms of subject matter understanding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a there's a lady on my team who comes from a law firm background. There's a chap on my team who comes from a law firm background. So both content specialists, but also bringing industry and professional services mm -hmm. experience. There's a, there's a chap on my team who comes from a technology journalism background, as, as I did some years ago. You know, big focus for us on technology at PwC at the moment. So people with that kind of industry and domain expertise, hugely important. People on my team who've been at PwC longer than I have and bring you know, that understanding of how the firm works and how we need to make sure what we're doing chimes with the firm and bring that wider, you know, more generalist marketing mindset. Mm. And you know, it's that combination that's hugely important. So in terms of those adjacencies, certainly media, yep. you know, agency side, you know, I've, uh, another member of my team came from a PR agency background um, with a real passion for content, but a real in-depth understanding of what it takes to build and maintain reputations for organizations. Again, that level of understanding is hugely mm -hmm. important. As I say, I'm lucky in that I can bring that sort of combination. And, and it's interesting, I think, mean, because you, you talk there a lot about sort of drawing on people's different backgrounds and experiences. And interestingly, not technical skills, which I think is actually quite a positive in terms of bring people in with the experience, let them learn technical skills, 
but you can't actually um, replace experience fundamentally. Um, so the way that I'd like to you know, maybe round off the conversation is, is to go back to a point which I said that we would return to, and that's how do you make that step up to being a very, very senior marketing leader, CMO type titles? And I, I probably, you know, um, to sort of expose my own sort of um, bias, I, I do feel that there needs to be that broad experience and skill set if you're to be an effective CMO and you're overseeing that broad remit. But with what we've just been talking about, um, people do end up in lanes. Um, from your perspective, how do you best break out of those lanes and make sure that you do get that experience so you can take on a role where you, you have that broader oversight? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. And I think a lot of it depends on the individual and what they want to do. And, you know, because I think it's incumbent upon an employer to think, well, if we've got people in lanes, we've got brilliant people mm. in lanes. You know, if I think about some of the sort of specialist expertise we have, you know, not just in my team, but in, you know, the digital team around marketing automation, mm. some of the stuff that, that those people are doing, you know, those are vital skills. So to agree, you also want to keep people in lanes. Mm. And that means ensuring that you can offer a career progression, reward, recognition for people who are specialists in those lanes that, that works for them and works for you um, in terms of retention, in terms of engagement, in terms of keeping those people excited about the work that they do. Now, if the individual says, actually, I do want to move around a bit, build mm. out that experience, you know, again, I consider us very lucky that we work in an organization like PwC. We've got a marketing team of over 100 people. There are lots of opportunities for people to move internally. They want to broaden out those skills. But I think there's also a lot you can do in role. Mm. You know, the upskilling piece. Now, whether it's upskilling specifically to understand, you know, we touch upon Gen AI, you know, to understand the impact of technologies, or whether it's upskilling, if I take somebody who joins my team, and perhaps they come from a journalism background, they bring incredible skills that I need and we need as a firm. Mm. But from a personal ambition, career development point of view, they will often say to me, I want to understand where I fit within marketing. I want to understand the wider marketing sort of landscape mm. here and how it all comes together. So there's lots of upskilling that we can do for people who are specialists to help them understand, here's where we sit in the marketing mix, here's how other things mm. do, to ensure also that we have a bit of level setting across the function so people understand and respect the contributions that everybody's making. So there's plenty of opportunities for people to develop a wider skill set and a wider understanding. And I think you're right. I don't think you could have somebody at the top of a marketing organization who had come through one lane, one mm. lane only, and didn't even really understand how the other lanes worked. I just don't think it could happen. But I think what we will increasingly see is that people do start off in a lane end up in those top mm. jobs because most of the entry points are probably lanes. You know, people's onboarding into marketing now possibly comes through a more specialist kind of you know, role that they that they enter into. So, you know, I think it, it will happen, but it will also happen in an organic way that respects the fact that when you get to a leadership position, you know, and I, I think about lots of the marketing leaders that I've worked with in the past and work with now, Yes, their generalist understanding of marketing and their understanding of how marketing mm. comes together is vitally important. But so, so is their general leadership skills. Yeah. Empathy, understanding, an ability to communicate, an ability to create a vision, share that vision, get people to buy into 
that vision. And, and those kinds of skills are so critical that, you know, whether those skills are something that someone in a specialist role has, builds out their wider marketing understanding, but allows those skills to come to the fore, or whether it's someone who comes up through more generalist ranks and, and has those. I think those are as important as any conversation about specialism or generalism. Mm. And do you think that the CMOs of tomorrow are going to be more weighted to people that have more of a technical, digital background or more of a creative background? What do you feel the sort of the direction of travel is for leadership in marketing? I'm going to fudge this slightly <laughs> um, because I think it partly depends on the organisation. Yep. You know, in the same way, if you think about... In some respects, I think this conversation is, is analogous to conversations about what makes a great CEO. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some organizations where you can probably be pretty sure the CFO is the heir apparent yep. because of the nature of the organization, because the priority the organization puts on the numbers and the financials mm. and the P&L and that sort of thing. Then there are some organizations where you can say, you know what, perhaps the CMO might be the air presumptive here because there's such a focus on brand and reputation yep. and that person's going to come through. Or you might go, you know what, it's going to be the C CIO or CTO mm -hmm. because this is a tech-powered organization. You know, it, technology is the heart of how it operates. It might be the CHRO because of culture. The, the point here is I think it, it has to be a combination of the organization and what it needs and the individuals available to them and what they bring and finding the right marriage between those two things. There will be people who are more creative who become CMOs. There will be people from a technical background who become CMOs. But I think they will also recognize the need to surround themselves with people who bring specialisms in quantities that perhaps they don't have. You know, and that's, again, a, a behavior of a great leader. Surround yourselves with people who bring all those things that the whole organization needs. No one person has to embody all those things. Excellent. Well, it's been a very, very interesting conversation. Um, I, I've got a good idea in terms of potentially where the, the future is, definitely the role of specialization. And I also feel that actually for people pl future planning their own marketing teams, thinking about recruitment, this has been enormously useful as well. I think from my perspective, there is an unavoidable need to have specializ specialization, but you have to look at that holistic picture and understanding what that configuration of specializations are within any marketing organization. And then I think that sort of where we were sort of talking about there at the end and, you know, asking that question about, well, what does it take to be a CMO? And yes, I think it is important to make sure that you're, you're getting those different experiences. But actually, I think what you said is that it comes down to that fundamental level of do you have those leadership qualities? And actually, those are soft skills which you develop regardless of which particular specialization that you are working in. So, Will, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much for joining me on the Thank podcast. You. Thanks very much. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.